Welcome back to the Time to Unwind podcast. A slight change of pace today as we recently asked people signed up to our newsletter to submit their questions so we could answer them on an episode. The result was some great, interesting and quite funny questions. This is part one of the Q&A, with part two coming next week. So sit back and enjoy another Time to Unwind episode. Okay, so uh, we recently sent a few messages out, or we recently sent even a link to uh, a little survey for our customers to get involved and be a part of the episode. And yeah, basically submit some topics, submit some questions for us to talk about. So we thought we'd just run through a few of those now. Uh, And the first one was an interesting one, and I think it's something that you and me have spoken about in the past, Ben, uh, which is our two-tone watches an 80s remnant or fashion-forward zeitgeist. What do you think about that, Ben? I know you've got an opinion on two-tone. My two-tone opinion evolves over time, I think. Okay. Um, I think it's cool because it can be executed in so many different ways. You know, obviously, traditional two-tone is maybe, you, know, you think of a yellow gold slash steel, date just, or, or something like that. But in a more modern sense, I have seen two-tone combined with, you know, people using titanium or carbon mm-hmm. fiber, different things like that. So I, I think it's cool from the point of view that it allows some experimentation. Um, and then I also think it's cool um, because it can be kind of adapted in different ways. Like the traditional right. two-tone, I guess when you think about it, is the bezel, a crown, and then maybe middle links if it's on a metal strap. Yeah. But in, in other senses, it could just be, you know, using gold on the hands and the crown or you know, adapted in different ways to, to bring that multiple tones of metal through um, without it looking especially vintage. Mm. Uh, I do like the look of two-tone watches, but I th- do think that it can look bad. Like there are many watches where it will look, uh, let's say vintage and not in the good sense of the word, where it's, you know, it should have been left behind. Um, but then there are other watches like the Datejust, which is just so classic that you can never go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about it, it evolving. Um, I've seen it. We've seen it in stuff like Oris where they, where they've done the two tone, I think. Oh, was the bronze. Yeah. They had the, the yeah. bronze and blue dial and stuff. And that really felt quite modern. And yeah, that's a good felt example. Really quite good for the brand. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. There's, I mean, even like two-tone rose gold, it's been around for a while, but it seems to feel more relevant now. Yeah, rose gold is an interesting one because there was like a year or two, like you know, like about two or three years ago, where it was just immensely popular. Mm. Um, and then since then, it's kind of fell down a bit. But that's that's a cool example because you know, traditionally, if you think of pink gold, it sounds very feminine, but it can be executed in such such a masculine way as well. Yeah. Well, the um... The GMT Masters, the rose gold, the the yeah, uh, the root beer, root versions. beer ones. Yeah, those are so cool. Yeah, yeah. like that's. I mean, there there was a two tone one and obviously a full rose gold one, but they're such a amazing execution of that. Of, yeah, of exactly. Two tone and a good example of bringing it modern day and and still having it feel quite fashionable and on trend. Who, who would think that pink and brown is a good combination? True, that's a very good point. But it works. <laughs> <laughs> And that's before you even get into three tone as well. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, three tones. So, so, well, three tone, the three tone Tudors, for example. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is that with the the plated straps? Exactly. Got, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sort of, uh, Not sure on that. Maybe that one goes into my uh, example of things that should be left behind, but maybe someone else has more positive opinion on those. Well, sort of like on my watch group, I'm uh, part of a watch group, a group of friends who, who spend uh, almost as much time as we do, actually, sort of uh, debating uh, what's going on uh, in the world of watches, despite the fact that they're, they're all meant to have proper jobs as well. Um, this is one that's really, really polarised opinion. And so right. there are, um, I think I think it's, it's not one we're ever going to find the answer to. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, there have been on that very group some mm. defenders of three-tone watches. I'm sorry to all of your friends who I've just offended then. Well, it, I think, you know, I think they, they enjoy the banter and the debate. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, there are many people who, again, are vehemently against them and think that they should be sort of basically consigned permanently to history. Um, and another person who uh, is uh, uh, a big fan of the uh, three-tone Tudor Black Bay. So uh, where, you know, you've got black, gold and silver going on there. Uh, so. Okay, yeah, that works. My view is sort of, I like the two-tone. I think three-tone might be a little bit much. Not too far. Yeah, yeah. it depends if it's a, a combination of metals, I guess. Like if you want to mix yellow gold, rose gold and steel, then you may be going a step too far. But, you know, as you say, with the root beer GMTs, you've got multiple tones in the bezel. And the dark, mm. and then obviously you've got the, the two metals, and that seems to work. So, yeah, yeah, and I think we've seen it more and more nowadays. It's, <clears throat> I think it's kind of in line with vintage style becoming. Well, it's been around for a while now, but it seems to be here to stay. Yeah, so I think it's kind of been brought along with that, and I think everything is a bit like seventies style watches. Now we're starting to see become equally as popular. So, I think it's just kind of being swept along with all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think sort of, in any case, it's hardly an original observation, but fashion is very, very cyclical, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. Someone was telling me the other day that um, uh, his mum was, was wearing a pair of jeans, a pair of very high-waisted jeans, which apparently she was sort of like uh, had since the 70s and so forth. And he said, oh, mum, you're, you're so on trend. And uh, she said, well, I'm not. I've, I've had these for about 40 years. And he said, well, yeah, that's the point. So um, <laughs> it's sort of like quite hard to say, you know, whether or not sort of something that we find deeply unfashionable now won't be fashionable again in just a few years' time. Mm. Yeah, very true. Cool. So the next question we got was, uh, I'm a mechanical watch fan. However, in light of the furloughs and reductions of force, am I the only one finding myself much more dependent on a smartwatch as a helpful work tool? Anthony, what do you think about smartwatches and using them for work? Um, I can see it. I, I don't... Most, uh, well, I had um, an Apple Watch a while ago, um, the first series one. Uh, which which I'm not using anymore. Um, I might get one in future, but where it was handy for work was in situations where you're in meetings and you know, you're a little bit bored in a meeting and you wanted to catch up with what was going on elsewhere, but it would be rude to take out a computer or iPad. So you could very surreptitiously sort of fiddle around with your watch and actually get quite a lot done. So um, I actually found a smartwatch probably more useful in a situation where you're sort of actually in the office 
because you can do things more discreetly rather than if you're say on furlough or at home where you can do pretty much what you want but it's that leads on to a much much wider philosophical point which i think we'll address later is that you know is a smartwatch a watch mm. um is it is it a rival or a supplement to a mechanical watch um so i don't know i mean as a work tool i guess it's useful but again you know smartwatches being extensions of smartphones where it probably comes into its own is, is is more in terms of leisure you know the fact that you can do so much with a, a smartphone or smartwatch from sort of catch up on the sports news to consult facebook to look at twitter mm. um so i'd probably probably see it working more in the, the world of leisure than work but equally it does have its moments particularly when you're trying to do something unobserved in the workplace yeah i've, I've always <clears throat> i've only worn the apple watch is the main um, smartwatch I've used and I haven't used it for that long really we just had a few in the office and I've always found them quite distracting uh, I, I remember like my phone would ring and then my wrist would ring and then you try and answer it in one and it'd still be ringing on the other <laughs> <It's> like, <what's laughs> <going on? laughs> so I've always just found it too distracting and almost like like I'm too connected I don't I don't oh, if I know a whatsapp's come through my phone I don't know if I need to read it on my wrist I'll feel my phone vibrate and look at that um the closest I've got at the moment to a smartwatch is probably a G-Shock. Um, uh, and that's been quite nice to wear every now and then. I've got all the information I need. Uh, time, date, day. It's not quite a smartwatch. It's uh, smarter than my <laughs> Submariner. It can do a bit more. Yeah, true. <laughs> that's the closest I've got at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Ben, what, how, what do you think about smartwatches during this sort of weird uh, time we're in at the moment i think more people should be double wristing double wristing i'm 100 yeah. percent with you on double wristing i mean <laughs> I, th I think we had actually i wrote a piece about this on the on our online magazine so so go and check that out but i'm really glad that the message for double wristing is finally getting there yeah amongst some people anyway we do it at basil world and there is no better way to tell someone you have an unhealthy relationship with watches and to wear one on both wrists and now with smartwatches that is acceptable as we've seen from many you know I, i'll use buzzword as an example there are many high-end brands where the ceos wear obviously their own uh watches but then also a smartwatch because of just how useful it is when they're out and about you know i guess when people are traveling and stuff it can sometimes be easier to operate than let's say getting your phone out of your pocket and different things like that uh yeah. and then obviously they they have a like the Apple Watch, I'd say, has a quite a distinct look. You can you know, have it in black with a black strap. It doesn't necessarily look too much like a watch. It could be a bracelet, things like that. It's not, mm. you know, I, I, th I think it's quite cool. Uh, I've never owned one or, or had one. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I'd quite like to spend a, quite a, yeah. a good amount of time with one and like fully experience it. Cause it depends on the person as well. Because my true. granddad <clears throat> always been a fan of mechanical watches his whole life. But now in his you know, older age, he wears an Apple watch to keep track of his heart rate and things just in case he has palpitations and different things like that. Uh, it's the ECG, is that, that's the thing that the new newer ones can do as well. Yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah. yeah, they're crazy. That's r really massively useful to him. Um, so yeah, I, I think they definitely have their place, but whether that's affected by going back to the question, like being furloughed or having less to do, I'm not sure. Fair point. <laughs>
Okay, so next one is is kind of similar to uh, that one we just talked about in the fact that it's relevant to what's going on in the world at the moment. Uh, this question is, what is going to happen to watch sales once lockdown is lifted? So speaking from experience as a website, who we obviously have our own watches and our own straps. Um, we found that, that people are still buying watches, that people, we're still... We're still looking online to get some resale therapy. Uh, I, I think the main change that we will see in the next few months is obviously uh, the high streets being able to open and, and shops being able to open. And I think that will split customers yeah. in general. I think some people are going to be eager to get back out and get back shopping. But on the other hand, you can just buy everything online. I think this period is, and the amount of Amazon orders that we've been receiving, I think that probably highlights it even more. It should force some companies to take a bit more of a change if they're not doing too much online to, you know, mm. see the benefits. Um, there's also the moral question of, will this put things into perspective for people and yeah. will less luxury watch sales happen or will people stop? I don't know. Like I think but with the seventies things coming back with fashion, I had predicted that gold was going to be, more prominent in watch sales. Um, but will that now reverse because people, you know, will not want to be so flashy and want to, you know, more, more take life for life rather than for, you know, trying to show material possessions and different things like that. Yeah. It's probably made us realize you don't really need those people buying watches don't really need that many. Do we? We Yeah. And there are, you know, there are people who are wealthy that can just buy watches now, but then, well, they feel like there are so many people in the world that are suffering at the moment. Is it appropriate mm. for me to be spending money on stuff like this when I could, I don't know, help out or, or something? Well, as someone who's recently announced their love for the Rolex of Mariner and their desire for finding one, <laughs> Anthony, how do you come into this? <laughs> well, I'm probably going to sort of, um, not for the first time in my life, torpedo my own point. But as, as, I was going to say, it sort of depends also on the... Um, the type of watch we're talking about so yeah um i think sort of like all the reservations that you've expressed uh you know on that sort of like moral ground is are absolutely true in that um you know a lot of people will be thinking well it's not appropriate but maybe it won't stop them buying watches but maybe how much they spend and what type of watch they're yeah mm. um the other thing is too is it also just depends so much on on, on the sector because there are many people sort of who i've come across in london who economically have done well actually out of what's gone on you know people in certain sectors of uh, for example uh, technology digital um, mm. online services and, and that, that there will be people who suddenly actually have an unexpected bonus the zoom um, employees zoom employees for example yeah <laughs> and um, and, and uh, you know have been working hard and are thinking well you know let's let's get a watch she can sort of uh, yeah uh, yeah i guess that's the flip side of yeah marking the the kind of you know this is a big event that's going to be remembered by everyone so you know some people will want to i don't know mark the end of it potentially well if if i had and unfortunately i don't but if i had shares in zoom that's that's probably what i'd be doing i'd be be heading heading out to to buy a watch yeah heading heading to websites not heading out well, that's true. Yeah, that's that's true. true. Heading yeah. to to website, and I think the other thing is too is that um, if if we look at the second hand market, 
are, are some people going to be in a position where regrettably you know they have to sell watches will there be more watches in the marketplace will prices come down will, will suddenly watches that people have been after for a while come into their price bracket which weren't there before you know on the second hand market i'm talking about mm, yeah um yeah. so it's really hard to predict i think the the watch market is such a dynamic multifaceted thing with i mean like any market with so many outside influences affecting it i don't think it's as simple to say fewer people will be buying watches but i think they'll be buying watches in different ways and for different reasons yeah, yeah. i mean there's also the point of factories have been shut for i don't know potentially months so that's going to have a an effect in a year or two's time or or something like that that they're you know the rarer models or certain things will be harder to come by because they won't have made them mm. in, the, in the time that they should have been making them yeah so it's going to be affected certainly yeah yeah i, th I think the second market's an interesting one it, it, i think it was the other day i saw <clears throat> a ten sixteen, so like an early rolex explorer that was online and it was listed for like just over 10 grand, like 10,500 or something. Right. And I mean, for that watch is, is crazy price anyway, but I've seen those like a year ago. sell will be listed anyway for like 14, 15, yeah. et cetera. So I was quite surprised to see that at, at 10 grand and, you know, there's no official data to uh, back that up. I think the guys at Chrono 24 probably will be able to help with that, but I just thought it was impressive or interesting to see that like openly being offered online yeah. for that price and promoted at that price as well. Hopefully it helps to burst the uh, steel sports watch bubble where watches are being sold for way more than they are worth. Yeah. That would be uh, that would be very nice. I saw. Uh, I definitely definitely hope it bursts that bubble. That would be great. <laughs> I'll, I'll be out there with a massive pin trying to prick the bubble so it explodes. <laughs> Did you? Um, I can't remember when it was. Hidinki uh, posted an article recently about the Lang One in steel. And All right. Uh, so I, th I think one came up for auction uh, last year, and then a trio of them came up with one, or trio of Lang Ones came up with one of them being steel. Right. And then Phillips had one which sold for three hundred and forty thousand dollars, and there's another one coming up in an auction this week. So yeah, I mean, like steel is still this is a, another topic in itself, but steel is still crazy. Yeah, I mean that's a maybe an unfair comparison to let's say a, a submarine or something like that because the, obviously yeah. the, the steel lang ones are really rare. Mm. A submariner is exceptionally common. Oh, he's throwing the common in there. It's calling your watch common. Uh, actually, I should be. Oh, I've got one as well. Then Rolex make like a million watches a year or something like that. Yeah, true. Oh, <laughs> they do. They do. They do. Common popular. as in uh, I popular. The I think yeah, it's the popular, word we're after, yeah. isn't it? Yes. You go to a watch <laughs> event. Everyone has one. Popular. <laughs> well appreciated amongst discerning people. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. We've saved that. Anthony, go on then. Do you want to start start off, off with the recommendations? Yeah. So what's um, what I've been doing uh, this week is I've been brushing up on my cookery skills. And I love Italian food, and I happened on YouTube to bump into an episode of Gino da Campo's Italian Express. Um, I think sort of like I'm probably no don't fit in Gino's normal 
demographic. I think he's a sort of like heartthrob for older women normally. Um, but I just watch him really just to get some sort of good ideas about Italian food and recipes. And I've cooked a number of things that he did. A particularly nice pasta dish, for example, with porcini mushrooms and cream. That's thanks to Gino. So he's sort of inspired me this week to, yeah, unleash a bit of uh, culinary creativity. Is, is that the series when he's going across Italy on the train? He's going across Italy. Well, he comes into Italy on the train and he sort of moves around Italy, not only on the train, but he borrowed a really nice uh, Fiat 124 Spider to drive around Italian oh, lakes. Cool. <laughs> so um, he, he gets around Italy in a variety of methods, um, goes around, meets the locals and cooks for them. Um, he obviously makes it look really, really easy. And when you translate the same process to my kitchen, um, it's not quite done with the same sort of uh, sleight of hand. It normally involves a lot more chopping, swearing, and it takes a lot longer. Um, but the result is still quite tasty at the end. So, you know, I'm doing something right. So, yeah, yeah, cookery programs have uh, inspired me. I'm not quite sure really what's sort of coming next. Sort of like I need to sort of probably plumb the depths of daytime TV even further. But um, it's, uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Ah, that's a good one, that. Um, so for me, I, there's, there's one video I watched recently that it is watch related and it was from the hourglass. It was one they did with a Crivia and Rexep Rexepi, uh, where they, they basically went to Geneva to the headquarters and filmed all about the man behind the brand and his ethos as a brand in general. Um, it, it's just, just a really, really good video as well shot. It's all in French. So either you're very, you've got to be very good on French or read the captions, which is what I did. I did. Um, but it's a good one. <clears throat> it is it's well worth watching. It's, it's really interesting to see more behind the scenes of the brand. Um, and yeah, it helps. It's just really well shot as well. So Ben, what about you? So my recommendation for this week is a, also a pretty cool video that I saw recently. Um, so it was from Petrolicious. I'm sure you guys are both familiar with them. Mm -hmm. uh, so they did a do you know the videos that they do where they talk to collectors and and a collector will kind of do a piece on on a car and why it means things to them um, so it's one of those with the Jaguar XJR15 uh, mm. so this is a early 90s Jag um, which was based on the uh, Le Mans winning XJR cars um, there were 53 made and I think 27 were road going versions and this collector um who's called Jasbia um he's got one of the road going versions and I don't know just thought it was a really cool car uh it's a I think a six liter natural aspirated v12 and because it's based on a Le Mans car it's obviously incredibly raw and just all about the driver's experience um and being petrolicious the video was you know, immaculately shot and the, the sound, you know, they really captured the sound of the engine and everything. Um, so I just thought that was really cool. And I also love the the design as well of a lot of the nineties Jags, like the, the proper like racing ones. I just think I just, when really I was, cool. um, when I was little, my, my dad took me to Le Mans in, I think it was 1988 when they won. Oh, um, I nice. was, I was very small, <laughs> but I sort of remember, remember seeing it. There were those sort of silk cut purple and, and white cars. Yeah. And, um, I remember that year was incredible because, um, obviously Jaguar were the favorites. And so there was this huge 
invasion from of British people into Le Mans. I mean, there there is every year, but particularly on that occasion. Um, so yeah, it was a really was really... it the XJR nine? I believe was it was. One, I think, one then, yeah, and then the fifteen I think came after. Martin so. Brundle, who does um, commentary now for Sky Sports, F1, yeah, was, was driving. All right, uh, and uh, Tom Walkinshaw, famous race car team owner ran the cars um so yeah it was really really memorable wow what a car i've never ever seen a road going version so i'm gonna have to check out that video. yeah check it out that, that video is insane obviously we'll, we'll leave a link and stuff but just thought and the way it looks on the road just everything about it is is what i like in cars um so is there yeah. is it an, a newer video or is it an older one because i know they've done uh, quite a few of those for a number of years it's from 2018 january okay. So, oldish. I've I've seen it before actually, um, but I think they posted a clip of it on Instagram. I just, I just thought, ah, oh, I need to watch that again because yeah, I can remember the first time I watched it. I thought it was just insane, and yeah, the, the car is insane. Yeah, and especially cool. from like a design point of view as well, just the flow of the angles and stuff, and the the nineties cars looking slightly you know retro futuristic in a way. It's just all really cool, and the designer who penned that car, I'm pretty sure he went on to work at McLaren as well. So there's a bit of a similarity in his, you know, design designs from that period. Which, uh, which watch would you wear if you had that car? Hmm. Putting you on the spot. There are a lot of cool watches from the nineties. Um, but I'm not sure. What's the, what's the model of the car again? Uh, XJR 15. It's obviously a very raw car. So you'd need to have, Nice shock protection, so I'll maybe not say a dress watch. Oh, that's cool. Hmm. Yeah, a dress watch. Honestly, I don't think you'd have time it. to. Look, you, you wouldn't have time to look at the uh, at your wrist if you're driving that. So maybe nothing. <laughs> I might be misremembering this, but I've got a vague idea that Jaguar actually did a watch um, during sort of the eighties at Le Mans uh, for that car. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I've, maybe I'm getting confused with something else. That's, that's one we're going to have to look up later. Um, but but or, or possibly it was a tribute watch that was made later by by another company, um, but I'm sure I've, I've seen a silk cut livery to Jaguar watch somewhere. Nice, that's cool. The interior of this car is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that video. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Time to Unwind podcast. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. So please leave your ratings of the show through your podcast app. Be sure to reach out on social media at WatchGecko with your thoughts. Adding a rating and a comment really does help the podcast, so we'd be grateful for your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.